0: It's time now for Super Psychologist Dr. Mara Karpel and Your Golden Years.
1: Good evening, and welcome
2: to Dr. Mara Karpel and Your Golden Years. This. Sunday this evening, which is Sunday evening, <laughs> and every other Sunday evening, every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time, and at 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on blogtalkradio.com and on com and now also on Apple Podcasts. Today is Sunday, August the 2nd, 2020. We're in the heat of the summer here. I'm psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell, and I'm coming to you live from beautiful Austin, Texas. And I hope you're all staying cool and safe wherever you are while we keep you informed and entertained. Art right, Mendoza, of Accomplished Entertainment, producer of this program, is here with us to make the show run smoothly, as usual, and we have another great program in store for you. In a little while after the break, Joining us from right here in Austin, a regular of the show, Lauren Tarrant, co-founder of Well Beyond Care, is back. And this time, Lauren will discuss how to safely have a caregiver in your or your loved one's home and how to safely be a caregiver in this time of COVID-19. And then later in the program, another friend of the show, also right here in Austin, Texas, jazz musician Sharon Bourbonet will share some of her music and let us know what she's doing during this downtime in music to bring music back into the world. And I'll continue with a little bit more about reconnecting to passion, even during the time of a pandemic. Throughout this evening's program, if you have any questions, um, for me or for my guests, feel free to give a call. The toll-free number is eight five five three four five four seven two zero. That's eight five five three four five forty seven twenty. Or you can email your questions to me, and I will read them on the air to my guests. My email address is Dr. Mara, that's drmara. That's d r m a r a at Dr. com D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L, and you can hear this evening's program again by going to my website and the link. that to later tonight, with all along with all of the website links that we discuss on the program, you can also hear the podcast as soon as five minutes after the show ends by going directly to blogtalkradio, Blog Talk Radio. B-L-O-G Talk slash your Golden Years. And you can also hear it by going to Apple Podcasts five minutes after the program. And you can listen to all of the previous shows at my website. Um, for the last, the shows that have been on Blog Talk Radio for the last six and a half years, they're all at my website. They're all on the slash your golden years link. And they're also on my page on Apple Podcasts. And for future events, um, to find out what's coming up next, and any blogs that are posted, and any other information coming up, follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Karpel, Your Golden Years. This show is produced by Compass Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions. And we're going to take a brief break. Um, Don't go anywhere. It's going to be very brief because you don't want to miss anything. Um, When we come back, Lauren Tarrant will be joining us from Well Beyond Care to discuss how to safely have a caregiver in your or your loved one's home and how to safely be a caregiver during this time of COVID-19. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
0: Super psychologist, Dr. Mara Karpel will be back after words from our sponsors. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive there are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpel.com.
2: And we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Maricarpel and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaricarpel.com. And now joining us from right here in Austin, Texas, once again, Lauren Tarrant, co-founder of Well Beyond Care, is back. And this time Lauren's going to discuss the very important topic of staying safe as a caregiver or a receiver of care during COVID-19. Welcome Lauren.
3: Thank you very much. Thank you for having me.
2: Hello Tom. Thank all. you for coming back. Yes, this is such an important topic and we have I can't, we haven't covered it yet in all this time that we've had COVID. So um I'm glad that you're here. Um Maybe, maybe we could start off first with a little bit about your background before we jump into the topic. Okay. Thank you. Um,
3: hello. I'm Lauren again, and I'm a registered nurse, and I have been a nurse for over 40 years. Yes, that is true. Wow. <laughs> And the majority of practice that I've held has been with seniors, um, psychiatric or with seniors and in-home hospice or home health. And lately I have, or over the past several years, instead of being in the home health sector, skilled Medicare, Medicaid, home health, Now I've co-founded a company with Jeffrey Fry, and it's called Well Beyond Care. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that, or what we do with Well Beyond Care is that we help families find a caregiver, and we help them manage them, schedule them, pay them, pay taxes on them, you know, everything from soup to nuts, to make sure that a caregiver is affordable and is able to go for the long haul. So it's not an, a, a mm-hmm. short emergency. It's a process. So that's why I'm really excited to talk today about COVID-19 because it affects people in home care and it affects people in the home, whether or not
2: you're getting mm-hmm. care, right? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely, and you know, um you know this that my mom had covid she 's in assisted living um in mm-hmm. in March up in New York when it was just becoming really like that was the epicenter, and it was just starting mm-hmm. and her caregiver had it at the same time now luckily the both of them never got it very seriously they they both had very mild symptoms and recovered. Um, that wasn't the luck of all of my mom's neighbors, though. Some of them passed away. And, you know, the fact that she and her caregiver had it at the same time, it was likely that either the caregiver brought it in or that my mom had picked it up, you know, from maybe one of the neighbors before they went on lockdown and gave it to the caregiver. And I know a lot of the staff were really, really afraid to care for my mom during that time. It was very stressful for them. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, I know that care doesn't stop just because of COVID, that people really still need care. They have other issues going on, or maybe they even have COVID, and they need care. Um, So how can we prevent something like that from happening, um, given the fact that, you know, not everybody's so lucky. They just have mild symptoms, obviously. Right.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, that, you know, that brings up a couple of interesting points that you just said that, that I would like to talk about a little bit because we're talking about keeping safe in the home. And uh, to this day, there are people that just don't believe that it is anything to worry about. but. Um, We take it very seriously. You know, your show, you know, my well beyond care, we take it so very seriously Mm -hmm. and want to make sure to get this message out because there's, there's something that we'll talk about later that, you know, there's people that you worry about, do they have it? Are they going to spread it? And then the next category is they've already had it. Now, what do we do? But I want to, kind of back up a little bit to just say that um, in terms of the seriousness, we never know who is going to uh, befall this um, this virus. So um, there are a couple, you know, there's severities that are different. So there are some people that are asymptomatic, and what that means is that they don't have any symptoms, and you would never know, and they carry on. And they have no idea and it might be a kid it might be a 70 year old it could be somebody at the beach it doesn't matter it doesn't have anything to do with age or location or race or anything so these people that are asymptomatic don't show anything so they could be spreading it right and think Mm -hmm. of this could be your caregiver like in the situation with your mama you know, we don't know, Was did your mom give it to the caregiver? Did the caregiver, somebody was asymptomatic, okay, so they, they weren't worried. But then the next thing is maybe they were had mild severity of the virus. So a mild case might be you don't even notice that that's true because somebody might have cold symptoms, maybe a stuffy runny nose or a cough or a sore throat or achiness. Some people have even reported mild diarrhea
2: and mm-hmm. some
3: of them have the only symptom that they had was they couldn't taste anything. Um, and, and that is a mild case. But then the other ones that we are concerned about are severe, severe symptoms um, such as a fever, cough, shortness of breath, breathing difficulties, they can progress into pneumonia or blood clots, or there are all different things that can progress. So <clears throat> even though someone has this and doesn't require a ventilator or an ICU, it it still doesn't mean that they aren't sick for four weeks or maybe two to six weeks, and it still... Um, these people down the road may end up with symptoms like COPD, like um, pulmonary disease, where you just can't catch your breath and it may be Mm -hmm. that you need some oxygen or medications. So we want to take it seriously because we don't know, because there's no vaccine and there's no cure yet. We don't know, excuse me, um, who has it. So, because it is so serious, even though they are not hospitalized in critical condition, we want to talk about it. And then um, the critical is that people don't realize happens so quickly. And I'm saying this for fact to to provide facts, not to scare anyone. But I'm in the understanding that knowledge is power. You know, we need mm-hmm. to know what we're looking at, even though we don't know because. It's a virus, and it changes, and we learn about it, and it's new, so we don't know. But we do know that it becomes critical when there's respiratory failure, when someone just can't breathe. And sometimes their lungs actually stop working, and that's why they need a ventilator. Or <clears throat> septic shock is something where, you know, your fever goes up so high, or for it's, it's an all-body Um, infection that it may have started out with something like COVID and it knocked the body down so far. And so people um, cannot control the septic shock and they end up in ICU. It could be um, what happens with septic shock that their organs stop working. So sometimes they stop working and then they come back. And sometimes they stop working and people pass what we want to do is not scare anybody we want to make sure that you know what that your group knows what the symptoms are and what you should know to do everything you can to stay safe in the home so we've put together a few things that Mara you're going to Dr. Carpel, you're going to send this out I think and it it talks I'm going to post
2: it on my website post after the program, so you know yeah. um, there, there's a website post about this show, so it'll be there. people can click on okay. it mm-hmm. okay
3: it's it's things that you know um, a lot of people are talking about a lot of different things, and I think we need to keep our eye um on the prize as they say and the and what the prize is is that. We've got to slow the curve. We've got to flatten the curve, slow it. We've got to figure out a way to wear a mask or contain ourselves, adjust in minimal groups so that we can open back up again without getting everyone sick. And I, I'm fearful because of seniors and it's always beautiful when you know that there's seniors that get it and are overcoming it all the time. So we are overcoming it, but we just don't know who will overcome it, whether it's the you know the 90-year-old that you're surprised. Wow, look at how great you're doing. And then they're sitting next to a 30-year-old that you never would have anticipated. So that's why it's important. So one thing is to prevent yourself from getting sick. You mm-hmm. should wash your hands a lot. Soap and water. Soap and water. I'm one of these because I've been a nurse for so long. I hate alcohol-based hand sanitizers because they make my hands feel dirty and then i got to wash them anyway. You might as well wash them or wash them to the best that you can. Um, and, honestly, the cloth anti, you know, the um, the sanitizers work a little bit better than the gel, but something is better than nothing. And then the next thing is, you know, we talk about washing your hands. Really wash them. We don't even talk about this, but, you know, when when you have a caregiver in the home and when somebody is elderly and in the home, you don't think about this as much. You've got to wash their hands. You've got to wash your own hands. You just mm-hmm. never know. And it's not a matter of slap some anti, um, anti-viral or antiseptic on, you need to wash your hands and wash them well and for a while and get in between your fingers and your nails up past your wrist and hold your hands down so they drip in the sink. So these are things that we're giving information to our caregivers and our care seekers. Just, you know, we want to remind people that stay six feet away, but it's really difficult when you're giving care. So, Mm-hmm. When you're getting care, some of the things that we're doing for to to support healthy practices, okay, is that one thing is we're really making sure that everyone knows that to prevent it yourself from getting sick, we are going to mandate, um, you know, hand-washing and masks. Social distancing, mm-hmm. there's nothing we can do about it. But you know what, and if a family, I'm not there to watch and to babysit, I'm going to tell you everything that in my heart and soul I know you need to do. And I never want to scare anyone. I just want to make sure that people take it seriously. Um, it's it's like that, you know, bowl of Skittles. Only three of them are going to kill you. Which one do you right. take the risk? Well, this is something where we talked about it earlier that whether it's Ebola or it's AIDS, or the flu, or now this. The practice is always to err on the side of safety, and so that's why you would wear a mask, and that's why you would try and social distance. That's why you would wash your hands frequently and all the time. And we've put together a form that is going to go live. And what this is is it just says it allows the care seeker and the caregiver every day to ask the questions and document them on the file that stays there, which whether it's for contact tracing or just so that we know it was done for, you know, for our own mental health. So Mm -hmm. the form, it's a pink and it's kind of red and white cranberry. So, and it just says, you know, Sunday through Saturday, because our week starts on Sunday, in the past four day, 14 days, have you had any contact with someone diagnosed or investigated for COVID-19? Because you have to know that your neighbor that says, no, I, I don't know, I, I got tested five days ago, you don't know if they are positive. So we would always assume people are positive. In healthcare, we call it universal precautions, you know, wash
1: mm-hmm. your hands
3: a lot we got a mask on, we've got our hands, you know, we've got gloves. Um, I'm one of the nurses that wears multiple gloves and takes them off and then goes to the next one. I'm good at three or four. I've done it for Uh a long time. I just think that it's important that this is not something that's spread with your hands in a cut as much as through respiratory, through breathing, coughing, singing, yelling, but you touch your face. And that's why we right. wear gloves and clean rooms because you just do, you, you don't even realize you touch your face and you then you got some stuck in your tooth. And so the next thing you know, you got that coronavirus right there. So this is a form that just talks about it. Are you talking to anybody under investigation? And it might be contact tracing. And then the next, do you have any symptoms? So every single day, a caregiver can ask the care seeker, the person needing care, and vice versa, every day. Do you have any symptoms of a respiratory infection? You know, difficulty breathing, coughing, um, uh, <clears throat> a fever, sore throat, right? Um, and mm-hmm. then have you ha- have you had any of these symptoms within the past fourteen days? That's very important. And have mm-hmm. you had a fever, have you lost your sense of smell in 14 days? And, of course, have you traveled internationally in the last 14 days? That's not as important anymore because we've stopped doing that a lot. Right. Because we have to get in control. And then the last question says temperature check. And that is so that every single day our caregiver can take her temperature and, and document it or our families can take their temperature, document it, or their own. So another mm-hmm. thing that we're doing is we're not providing masks. However, the family talks with us about it all the time. And I will give them, well, first of all, everyone has their own mask that they like. And I don't know anyone, maybe we can talk about this for a minute, Mara. Uh, I, I don't know anyone that wears, that can't wear a mask, but we, on top of a mask, we also have a link on our site, these face shields that you can wear with a mask and a face shield, like say you're showering someone or whatever that is, to Mm -hmm. be careful. It's like you put on your glasses and then the bottom part of it is a face shield. So it fits over your glasses. It's very light, very easy. But if I can help give a resource, I just want to make sure that, that's why I'm glad, Mara, that you're going to put this on you mm-hmm. the site. Yes. And um, so, I, so I just want to make sure that, that we know, you've heard this, you cough into your elbow. You, we've heard about washing your hands. We've heard about avoiding sharing dishes and glasses and all that. But one thing you don't hear about that nurses hear about is that what happens when grandma lives with you and your kids are young, Maybe they're going to school, maybe they're hanging out with their friends, maybe they're Mm -hmm. at work. But what happens when they come home and they're very cavalier about it and now grandma gets it or a caregiver gets it? So I just wanted to mention because now, you know, three, four months ago, now it's been six months, February, we talked about what do you do if you get it and how do you protect it. We're still talking about that because – People Mm -hmm. are still sharing dishes and still not wearing masks and going to bars and thinking the beach is safe because it's hot and drinking things and taking things. So we Uh need to make sure we still don't have a cure. But at this point, six months into it, now the landscape has changed a little bit because now we're looking at caregivers or patients that have already had it So now let's talk about somebody brings it home or uh, there's two different scenarios. So somebody lives with grandma and brings it home and no one knew about it. What are you going to do there? That's why we want to be careful. But the other side of that is grandma or the caregiver already had it and now they want to get together and give or receive care. And now we need to know, what do we do here? So one thing is that when you know someone in your home has it, so that's why the two scenarios are kind of tied together, when Uh someone in your home has it, then you make a room for them, a safe place for them where they have their own access to a bathroom, if at all possible, and they have their own room and you could bring them food or meals at the door okay and drop them off and walk away and that's one scenario in caregiving we can't really do that so our caregivers are wearing mat washing hands wearing masks and face covers and then when they're in the home they're letting their care seekers when there's a when a, someone is looking for a caregiver It's really important that they both confess to each other, I have it, I had it, I don't want to get it, whatever place you're at, so that we can, at that point, advise them. So if they've already had it, if both have already had COVID-19, I recovered, not a problem unless there's somebody else in the house. But Mm -hmm. the issue that I want to make today, because I know we're going to run out of time, but I want to make sure that we know we we don't have a cure. We don't have a vaccine. Mm-hmm. We, we don't have enough tests and our tests are still slow. Whatever people are saying, we need to be mindful because of all the misinformation going on. We got a 70 year old that's at home that is at risk. So, I just want to say that we're taking these measures at Well Beyond Care and we're taking these as we watch nursing homes and we watch New York and we watch, you know, Michigan and other other um, states that are um, improving and coming along, and I think Austin is too. But my advice today would be please be safe. Please don't keep it a secret. Please let us know how we can help to keep Caregivers safe and care seekers safe in the home and so that we can open up the community.
2: So, you know, when you're talking, I was thinking about, you know, when my mom caught it, um, Uh her caregiver, her caregivers who came in, like any extra caregivers quarantined, even the one that obviously had it, she was quarantined until 14 days, you know, and symptom free. And yeah. even the caregivers who didn't, didn't, te- you know, didn't know that they had it because they had a contact with her and who knows how long she, my mom had had it before she started showing symptoms. Um, they also right. quarantine teen days. Right. right. Um, this was at a time before masks were mandated, even in New York Oh so her caregivers were not wearing masks. My mom was not yeah. wearing a mask. So yeah. you know, they and spread. And as I said, yeah. 13, 13 of her neighbors passed away and I don't know how many I think about twenty six people at that time had it in her building. I'm so sorry. Uh-huh. I'm um, so but when they found out that she had it as soon as she started having symptoms, which were very mild, but they they found that she had a mild fever, and they said, "We're just going to assume." Her doctor said, "We're going to assume that she has it." But then they also did the test, and she did, in fact, have it. Um, all of her caregivers who were in the building who continued, you know, to help work with her because she still needed care, they couldn't all just leave her and drop her. She had right. she still right. needed help getting taking showers and getting yeah. taken to the bathroom, and uh, she's gotten weak, so she couldn't no longer walk, so she had to be brought in a wheelchair. Um, they still had to come. But, yeah. like, we have a camera in her apartment, and we saw them completely suited up with masks, face Good. shields, gowns, Good. that makes gloves. me so happy. And none of them caught it. None of them caught it from Good. her. Her nurse, her, you know, her, the, the charge nurses were really nervous. They said, we're really, we're really nervous right now. None of them caught it.
3: I would just like to say that you just brought up something that is so, so poignant, is that everyone suited up, and they were at yeah. an, an ALF, okay? But what happens in the home is you think you're home, and you don't have to do that. The point of it is, whether you're in your home or an assisted living facility, wherever it is, protect yourself. And if that caregiver needs to suit up, support that. Or if that family needs to, you know, support each other by having their own room or even wearing masks in your own home, that's what we're going to have to do. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Mm -hmm.
2: and just that we have left, can we talk about this issue of masks Because it seems like you mentioned Austin is getting better. I think it's kind of coincidental that Austin got worse when the mask mandate was overturned. And it seems to be getting better now that it's been a couple of weeks since masks have been mandated. Um, So what about the people who say that masks don't really work or they don't like them, it's their freedom, or they have a health issue that keeps them from wearing a mask. So you're the nurse, so I'm asking you, is that real? <laughs> I'm going to
3: say this. I know lots of people with COPD, with pulmonary, horrible pulmonary issues that can wear a mask, oxygen on or not. I'm going to say that if you're too sick, to wear a mask, then you should stay home because then if you're too sick, then you should stay home because we are in a pandemic. I'm going to say that I don't want to start anything up. I'm just going to say I don't know anybody who can't wear a mask. There are all different types of masks. Um, I can't even imagine if a surgeon would say, you know, this mask is really uncomfortable. It kind of gives me acne and then I sweat. I can't see on my glasses and I'm sorry, but I'm going to cough all over you. Um, I don't know what I have. No, we protect each (laughs) other. I think that's the biggest thing is that we don't understand. I don't know if it's rebellion or I, I don't know what it is, but as a nurse, as a clinician, as a you know medical professional, we always err on the side of safety. That's why we do universal precautions. That I mentioned is that you assume someone has it because you don't want to spread it. And for this, you assume that you have it and you don't want to spread it to someone else. And mm-hmm. this is um, it's something I you know I, I don't get me started. I'm so passionate about it because I've never I have never seen anyone that couldn't wear a mask because there's so many different types that you can have to keep yourself safe. But if you cannot, if whatever reason, I could hear somebody saying, but I have anxiety, but I have, you know, I'm whatever agoraphobic, whatever it is. Well, you know what? Then stay home and let someone else do shopping for you because it's not fair for you to go out and infect people. It's just like, There's no reason why we need 10 little kids without masks at Walmart shopping and picking up cough medicine for grandma. They could all Mm -hmm. stay home because I'm worried that grandma now, because people didn't take it seriously and didn't wear a mask and probably didn't wash their hands. And then they were just talking. Now they're going home to grandma. And if you can't tell, I got a thing for older people. So it's very (laughs) offensive to me. It's very upsetting to me. So we're all going to be there someday. We're we're on our way. Exactly, if we're lucky.
2: God willing, the creek don't rise, right? (laughs) right. Exactly. (laughs) Well, thank you, Lauren. Thank you. This is really important information. And uh, so um, as I said, I'm going to post the link that you sent me with some of these um, guidelines. On the post about this show. Now, if listeners want to find out more about Well Beyond Care and how you work, and how they can maybe seek caregiving, or if they're a caregiver, um, I know you're all over the country. Um, mm-hmm. How can they? How can they do that? How can they find out more?
3: I would like everyone to go on a computer, not on your phone, to wellbeyondcare.com. And just look at the landing page and the blog and resources, our mission. There's all kinds of information there. Our number is there. You can call me directly at 512-809-4057. I know you'll post it. They can email um, Lauren at wellbeyondcare and also on the site if they click help. Our number is there. Everybody is assigned to a nurse. When you come with Well Beyond Care, our goal is to help caregivers get a good job, care seekers get a good caregiver, save money, get rid of the stress. We're doing it for them. We're trying to make sure to teach them and guide them. So you know what? Um, Anytime, if I can help anyone, if you have a need, for a caregiver or caregivers, if you want a good job, um, let's support both sides. That's Empowering Caregiver in my book.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Caregiving. Well, mm-hmm. And I and I'll, I will post that link as well. Um, so thank you so much, Lauren, for joining us this evening. Um, thank you. I hope at a time. Very I nice. hope when you come on next time the pandemic will be over, but you know, I don't really know if that's <laughs> That'll be a while, so I'd like to. Have, I don't want it to be that long that you don't come back. No. So, <laughs> thank
3: you. And if there's something helpful all right. that we can address, um, I'm so happy to. It's nice to. And maybe one day we can even do questions and answers or whatever I can do to help. I appreciate this so Great. much because we all want to take care of our families.
2: Yes, thank you, and and stay all safe. Right. Have a good evening. You, too. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Um, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
0: Dr. Mera's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mera Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas. Every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Please visit us on the web at com. All
2: right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on Blog Talk Radio and on com. Um, So before we hear from musician Sharon Bourbonnais, I just wanted to talk a little bit for a few minutes about waking up our own passion during this time. Um, It can get really easy, and I I can tell you this from personal experience and talking to everybody around me, to feel like we're standing still, um, to feel like we have to put off all of our hopes and dreams and we're sort of living in this. Uh, you know Brownhog Day kind of situation and eventually spiraling down into a hopelessness and depression and so I just want to address that and talk about ways of getting ourselves out of it because the reality is we're not standing still life is, life is moving forward even if we are even if we aren't and um, I'm not Pushing, Being super productive During this time um, It's okay Not to feel okay sometimes And it's okay to Not have a lot of energy But maybe there are Some things that you can do To kind of Slowly work back To having a little bit more energy Feeling more enthusiastic About the day um, To get that fire back into your life, that fire of passion and feeling of joyfulness, even during these dark times. Um, One of the things that I wrote about in my book was about how I discovered that it really is possible to feel pain and joy at the same time. You know, for a period of time, the pain sort of overwhelms the joy and that's natural. But over time, we can learn to put it aside as a feeling that we have, but one of many different feelings. And it's possible to feel joyfulness or feel, uh, and that really, you know, it's not from zero to a hundred, just like that. You don't turn a switch and you go from feeling really down to feeling really joyful, but it's a gradual process. And one of the, One of the most important parts of getting back on that uphill um, process where you're going back up in energy is to find meaning and purpose, even in this moment, even in this difficult time. And I've talked about that several times in the past, but it's really so important. It's even important when we're not in a pandemic, right? So many people... Are kind of in this state where they feel like their life has no meaning or purpose, or they just don't know why they're doing what they're doing. So wherever we happen to be in the situ, you know, the the state of the world, um, that is a primary question that people have: What is my meaning in the world? But we can find meaning even in the hardest of situations, by helping other people. Um, I was just saying recently to someone that, you know, I, when I was out of work for about a month, it was really difficult. And it's, you know, I'm not saying things are you know, really wonderful right now. But as soon as I got back to work and started being able to work from home and seeing people through telehealth, um, the meaning started coming back into my life. I was I was remembering my purpose. You know, this is what I really want to do to help people. And when we're helping other people, it takes the focus off of ourselves. Um, it takes um, that constant, Thinking about ourselves and obsessing about ourselves, that, that, that spiral that we go into, it, it, it interferes with that. So that's part of it. The other part of it is that when we are helping other people, we start to produce, I mean, it has a physiological reaction. We start to produce more serotonin, which is the mood neurotransmitter, the one that boosts our mood and helps our sleep. And even in the moment that we really do something great for another person, we have a boost of of um endorphins those feel good chemicals that help to uh, help us to feel happy and also decrease physical pain so um there's a physiological reason for feeling good in a when we help someone, but there is also that feeling of a sense of purpose. Some of the other things that I found that have been helpful are just the basic things of exercising. Since I've been more consistent with exercise, my mood has gotten better, and my energy level has gotten better, and I'm more enthusiastic about what I'm going to do that day. Um, I'm more interested in thinking about the future, so exercise is really, really powerful. Staying on track with eating well. I mean, a lot of people have gotten into sort of a slump, become couch potatoes, and eat whatever they want to eat, and have been putting on weight. Um, you know, we'll talk about the health consequences about that another time. Of that another time, but right now, I want to talk about how that actually interferes with our mood. That increase of sugar, um, the decrease of nutrition actually has a again a physiological um, consequence on depressing our mood, and the sugar highs and the the sugar crashes have a direct effect on our mood. When our sugar crashes, we feel really yucky. Um, So. So, getting back to eating healthy and getting getting yourself enthusiastic about eating healthy, um, spending time focused on what can I what can I do to eat healthier, um, can actually feel like a sense of purpose. How can I feed my family or healthier family healthier food? That's a sense of purpose and meaning. Um, having patience rather than trying to rush back to the way things were before, uh, because rushing back to the, trying to rush back to the way things were before um, will only lead to failure and to an increase of the spread of this virus. Or disappointment because you really can't do everything that you did before. So being patient, spending the time, Slowing down, we we were talking about slowing down for a long time on this show. Actually, now you have the time to do it, to slow down, to get outside and look at nature, to spend time focusing on your breathing, um, to get a full night of sleep. All of these are really, really, they're the basics. Getting back to the basics is really important right now. And it will start to help us to feel more energetic, more enthusiastic, and start thinking about what it is that you really want to do. What is it? Can you start doing that right now? Can you start preparing for it, at least from home, the things that you really want to do? Your passion. What is your passion? Good time to meditate on that question. So um, we're going to take a brief break. Some of our next guests. Music because coming up after the break is Sharon Bourbonet, Austin jazz musician. So don't go anywhere, we'll be right back.
1: C'est trop fin, je suppose que je suis fait de toi.
0: Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpel.com.
2: And we're still waiting for Sharon Bourbonnais to join us. So, Art, right, maybe you want to play the other song that she sent, um, Back Against the Wall, while we're waiting for <laughs> her to Don't scare Was the music of Sharon Bourbonnet, who is right here in Austin, Texas. But for some reason, she didn't call in, and maybe, you know, she got caught up in something. So um, I hope that she can join us soon so she can talk about the music that we just played. And you can like um, Sharon's page on Facebook Sharon Bourbonnet Music, B O U R B O N N A I S you can follow her and see what she's doing. Um, She's been doing a lot of live streams of her music performances. And also on her regular fake, you can watch there too, Sharon Bourbonnais. And she's been doing some concerts on live streams. So check that out. Um, Meanwhile, I'll let you know what's happening next week. We're going to be back Sunday, October 9th. Um, we'll be back with another live show and we'll be joined from Corpus Christi, Texas by Sergio Esquivel, founder of the Cauliflower Collective, a group of jujitsu and wrestling enthusiasts. We're focusing on changing lives of foster, adopted, special needs children, and at-risk youth and young adults living with trauma. And they're currently in Hawaii, California, and here in Texas. So that should be very interesting. And also, internationally renowned cellist, Tanya Anisimova, joins us once again from Washington, D.C. And if you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information and get the links, those links, um, from the program, go to my website drmaricarpell and all of that will be posted later tonight. And you can hear the show in as soon as five minutes from now by going directly to Blog Talk Radio b l o g slash your golden years, and also on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to follow me on Facebook, Dr Maricarpell, Your Golden Years, for what's coming up next. This show was produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions. And thank you to my guest, Lauren Tarrant, and thank you to Sharon Bourbonet for the beautiful music. And thank you to Art. And thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night and inspiring week. And remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone. Stay safe and stay home.
1: Toi, je te tends mes doux. Je ne sais pas pourquoi je reste avec toi quand tu me traites si méchant. Je suppose que je suis fou de toi.